Hi, everyone. My name is Ninelle Anderson, and I'm a CEO of Devoted Studios, and I'm your host at Devoted Speakeasy. Tonight, with me, a very renowned art director, Eduardo Gonzalez. Hi, Eduardo. Hello. Good to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining. I mean, your resume, your CV is just enormous. It's like pages and pages of great work and contribution to the game industry. And for me, as a player, I think the two biggest projects that I'm a huge fan of are obviously the God of War and uh, League of Legends. Because you were there when it all started. And I knew, I know that you were moonlighting for League of Legends before joining League of Legends. So yeah. what do you think made it a successful team and made it a successful project? Is there any attributes that were like clear, like you saw it and you're like, yeah, this is going to be great. When I was in my um, interview phase, like I, I came in, started interviewing and I saw this scrappy little company and I was like, oh my God, the building wasn't the prettiest and like the, the environment wasn't like polished like Sony's was. And, and I walked around, they were interviewing me and, and it's like, well, why do you think this game's going to do well? What, what is it that your goal is? And I was asking questions as to where do you think this game's going to go? And with straight face and no delay, they would say like, well, we want to be as big as Blizzard. And it's like, what? And, and of course, if, and <laughs> when people say that, um, it's like, yeah, right. ridiculous. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> but it's because I, it, there was something about it and how they said it. You kind of like were suspicious of like, oh my God, they actually mean it in terms of like the ambition that, that was behind his eyes and, and what he really wanted. And he backed it up with some examples of like, you know, we want to do it through community. We want to do it through building, building relationships. And then, of course, esports and like just like all these other components that I never even thought were so important because I like cared was like making the coolest characters, coolest environments, <laughs> put them into game, making sure that like all the lighting and all the settings right, and then ship it, and then hopefully our players will love it. But he's like, no, 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 we gotta build that in. We gotta, we're, we're this is part of the process. This is we're going to build a moat around us to really kind of have an understanding of who our players were. Like, we, we're going to be really ready for it. We're not going to, you know, cross our fingers. We're going to actually prepare and attack that challenge. They weren't backing off from this free-to-play thing. I thought that was the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Like, <laughs> free, at the time, and now with free-to-play, everybody says it. And it sounds, sounds so normal. When it was said back then, it's like, wait, you're going to put all of this effort. You're going to give every two weeks free content. And you're not like, wait a minute, a player can play their entire life and never pay a cent and he'll have the same advantages of somebody that pays. Yes. Like that's, that doesn't make any sense. And in my brain, I just could not understand how that was going to work. And I believe some of the conversations and that I overhear, I've heard in terms of like when people used to talk to Mark and Brandon, um, some of the financers and people that were financing the game, they were like, you got to change that part for sure. Out of everything yeah. else, you need to, you gotta, we got to make money make somehow. Money. And they were just like, no, this is the community. This is how we're going to do it. Like they were building, they had an extremely focused idea of what this game had to be. And I think it had nothing to do with, even though the game was amazing, this other thing was more important to them. This other, like uh, building this community just the right way was more important. And 
I've never witnessed that. And I think that was a real success, to be honest with you. And I take that with me forever. Every time I'm in a new IP, a building a new IP, I think about like, how will the players react to it? Well, what they really like, is this something that is for me or is this for them? Like I know that I sometimes mm -hmm. sneak in things that I love, but I got to really be cognizant of that and say, what do the players want? What, what does the audience want? I have to be able to understand that and then make the right decisions. I love your part of your career, which is world building at Riot. So League of Legends is a game and it has different fractions and different characters and they have different things behind them. And so the world building team is the team that looks at all of it and like, hell, we can make sense here and here and here and we can add juice here and yeah. we can create a universe and then this universe can bleed into other games and comic books and TV shows yeah. for people is it's important to understand that the game IP doesn't end with one game yeah and doesn't end with game only so what was world building team foundation for for League of Legends like if you can give me a few examples when a game is that successful you know there's mm -hmm. going to be more more products an expansion of that and to not do it was irresponsible. Like to not do it is a missed opportunity. So the thing is we would, there's a lot of reasons why, and then I, I, I'm going to let other people that, um, that know more about that subject, there's a lot of reasons why we never made a sequel to League of Legends and, and there was legal reasons why. But then the opposite of that is, there's, it was very difficult to make a sequel out of a game that just says, we make everything, anything and everything. <laughs> we make skins and we pool party like, you know, Gragas and like all, all this stuff, right? Like it just, the game had its charm and it belonged where it's at and it needed to keep its identity and you can't change it and everybody was 100% right. But the game itself was so popular. So how do, you, how do you turn it into something else, a TV show? Games turned into movies has always been kind of like a cringy kind of to me. And I, I don't think that was always very successful. And I think it's because nobody ever thought to do the transition and prepare it. And so a little bit of my film background in terms of like building out and storytelling and all that stuff, and even early IP development with Sony and stuff like that, like I think like a lot of that stuff is like this has to have a full-fledged, deep kind of like backdrop to be able to do anything. And we wouldn't have had all of the products that are coming out now and will be coming out in the near future that, are, uh, that I saw kind of built up. Like I remember jumping into a room and then it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to make this thing now. It's like, okay. And then we gave them and we helped them. And then we, we gave them a setting. And, and they're like, here, we want to do the, we want to have this TV show in this setting, in this place. And here's what we want to do. It's like, we gave them all that information, all the, everything that we had. We helped them understand that universe in that section that they were doing. And I think if we didn't have that information, they would have started out with purple for Zon, with, uh, with green, uh, with grungy, and then chemical. And like that, that, that's all they would have kind of had. And they would have fed off of like five or six different popular champions that all look very different. They didn't even have a consistent shape language. So like it would have been extremely difficult to make something in that space without actually putting it together and making sense out of it. Encyclopedia of a yeah. league? Yeah, it was, a, it, it was a dictionary that described everything as much as possible without getting in the way where like we're not going to say it must be this but here's the foundation here's where it needs to be so that all of these moving parts can you can always tell them apart 
Um, we gave everything a shape language, you know, like every, every faction had a color, a shape language, or, or mm -hmm. a almost like every one of them was a style guide, had a style guide with story, with, when I talk about story, we hired New York bestseller author. He was, mm -hmm. he's amazing. And so like we went all out and really built everything so that it actually made tons and tons of sense. And when we gave that information over to a team that was going to build a product in that space, they're just like, cool, we got it. And by the way, we're going to go over here. We're going to expand on it. And we're like, that's where it should be. You, you, as long as it stays within this bubble, you can do whatever you want with it. It's yours to do whatever. And so like all of the other products that were related to League of Legends, any features, any, any kind of like comic books, everything fed off of that. In fact, they kind of parked most of those products parked right next to us. And then we would kind of have dailies with them and stuff like that. So it was a huge, huge aspect of getting those products started. Question. So you said that there's so many different characters, right? And they don't even have the same visual shapes. Um, and you yourself designed what, 37 characters skins uh, for the game? With them being so different, how do you ensure consistency or you don't ensure consistency? How do you ensure being on brand or no, you're not, and it's going creative in various directions? How do you not be boring? When, when you look at Noxus, it's, it's repeating jagged edges, very totalitarian. We looked at constructivism, we looked at, you know, obviously Russian architecture. Soviet Union. <laughs> and, I, knew, I started, knew where it was going. <laughs> yeah. So we started, we started going in, in, in that direction. Say, so what are the most common shape languages there? And we started building from that. But at the end of the day, it was a very elaborate kind of like system that ended up being very basic shapes. And each one had their own shape language, had their own color that made sense to them, right? So like we knew who they were, we knew and described this region to, to be a certain way. And um, Noxus was very aggressive. So we gave them aggressive shapes. Piltor was very complex, so we gave them up complex shapes. Demacia was like, you know, somehow Arthurian and, and somehow idealized. And so we gave them shield, the, the basic shield almost defends, we'll secure you, we'll take care of you, we'll protect you. So we, there was symbolism in a lot of the shapes. The shapes were there to differentiate each other and also the symbolism in there to reinforce their main uh, meaning, their, who they are, what, rep what they represented the most. Um, so each region had that. The obviously, you know, Shadow Isles, smoke and stuff like that. So we made blue flames and so like that was their shape language. And, and so like they, there's a consistency across the board that all of these things were intertwined with what their meanings were. And so we wanted to give it the three second rule. And I don't know how true that is, but it stuck to me, even though I never validated to see if it was true. But the average person in a museum spends three seconds looking at a work of art, some of the best art in the world. And they, the average person in a museum spends three seconds so I'm like, just Not give me, me three, <laughs> I know, but the average, right? And if that's true, no matter how cool this is, no matter how beautiful this is, what can we communicate with basic shapes, with clarity in three seconds? So like, I want to be able to identify Demacia, shield, you know, sword, blue, gold, white, done. And, and just the, the rawness of that, it's there. And then of course we add more complex if you have more time. 
And if you tell stories, all of that starts to make sense. And then you start adding symbolism and meaning and deeper understanding of what certain things. And I'm telling you, those shields ended up having deep, deep, deep. And I don't want to give out more because I was like, those are some of the end game stories of like, if there was like five movies, this would lead to like that end game story. How do you make them consistent, but not really consistent, but looking at least that they're within the same game because there are different fractions. They, again, they have different shapes. They have different forms. They have different color palettes. They have different vibe from it. How do you squeeze them all in one universe? Painfully. (laughs) Painful. Okay. Yeah. And remember, you can't change a champion. Our players would be extremely disappointed. I mean, aggro, angry level. And even our, honestly, the artists and, and everybody at Riot, um, they loved our community so much that they were protective of them and they would literally be so protective that they would all attack us. There was one story where like, there uh, several teams were lined up after we delivered like the, you know, obviously, um, so let me, let me back up a little bit. So mm-hmm. everybody loves Timo mm-hmm. and he's from Bilgewater. And there's a, there's an idealized thing where like this little kind of little rat guy that everybody loves and everybody just, everything needs to be so cute. And we ended up doing like, what did their world look like? And it was obviously not as what people expected. They thought it was going to be cartoony, almost like Disney, like, you know, Mm -hmm. almost theme park, right? Like environment. And we Mm -hmm. did a, like a really gritty kind of like backdrop and I don't want to give away where we ended up, but I thought it was extremely interesting that, yordles would come from this place and everybody was like you're destroying our game and they lined up teams lined up and I, i've never seen anything like it in my career and they were t- they're like what about this did you try this like i don't i really disagree with this and and i just couldn't believe this was happening and you know the, the world building team was really small and we we're like what do we do i just said just Keep them coming. Answer all their questions. See what see what they're saying. What are the repeating feelings? What this is our player base. They're they're part of our player base. They're good. If they're pissed off, imagine our our players. So obviously we're doing something that is igniting this. What? How do we how do we still do what we want to do and also make sure that it doesn't land so aggressively? And so like we mm-hmm. just absorbed all that feedback and ended up landing somewhere in between. And then as we got braver and said, we're going to, we still want to add a little bit more, but we retained everything that everybody's like, just don't touch this. And we're like, (laughs) we made that our rule. Don't touch that. But everything else we did change. And then they're like, you took advantage of how we said it or what we said. But I said, do you still like it? They're like, yeah, that kind of looks cool. And eventually the scariest thing is when we actually showed it to our players because it was very different. The Yorals, Vandal City, all that stuff were beloved. And when they all kind of agreed and said and loved it and they, they thought that was the best thing they've seen, you know, almost almost tears to my came came to me and, and I'm like, yes. But that was that was the hardest one. But like that's how hard it is. That's how hard it is to kind of like put everything together. So like you you've got Vandal City champions. They all feel very different. They all, some of them are super realistic, some are very cartoony, some of them don't even shoot the same type of magic or there's no consistency. So what we ended up doing is we ended up grabbing some of them and making subcultures within Vandal City. So these were the dark ones and these were the cute ones and obviously the ones that were all cute ended up fitting in this space. And then that's where the League of Legends 
ones were there. And then we started building out some other ones that were clearly yordles, but a little bit more aggressive looking. And then, then we gave a depth without touching the game, but also adding depth and possibilities. So you, we played around with all sorts of possibilities. And I thought that was extremely creative. And I don't want to say that because that. it was a team effort, but we found ways to do all those things. And then the shape language is like all yordles have these kind of, they, they come from nature. And so they're like, okay, they all come from nature. And we started using leaves. We started using greens and we started using some palettes that were nature-based. And then they all, the yordles started slowly kind of getting that, getting that look and feel and tone. And at the end, even the champion, the, the champion team ended up grabbing some of that stuff and redoing the textures of all of the champions to reflect that because then they, uh, they ended up starting to do that uh, even back into the game and our players loved it. Um, so it ended up actually helping and changing the look of the game at the end of the day. What are the prerequisites of being born to be successful in doing that? I mean, tell me more about it. Well, I don't know. I, so it, it's, it's almost like if you look at artists, they either have something ability, and I think like most art can be taught. And then there's people that can have vision and foresee and almost draw the image in their head. And then all they have to do is just kind of like have their body and their, their skill set kind of projected on like a Xerox machine. But all the, all the artwork is happening in the, in the head. And then some people are really good at technical and they'd use their technical abilities and the computer to kind of come up with their vision. I think Annie was one of those beautiful kind of like champions where it's like, it's a little girl with a teddy bear and then oh, the yeah. teddy bear. And like, it says so much and it's, it has so much personality and everybody just kind of loved her. I love the entire personality of the two. You take one away and it's broken. And so like they were able to do that over and over again, be able to hit the heartstrings of every player out there with just one kind of character, that archetype that's so strong but says something uh, so quickly. And in two, three seconds, the players got it. They either loved it or they hated it. In creating a brief for a character, right? For example, Annie. What role plays game design and what role plays concept art or, you know, 3D or whatever other steps that are there to make this character being fully shippable inside the game? From a design perspective, how does the collaboration work or how do you see that the collaboration going to be successful and certain scenarios where collaboration won't be successful? I think back in like... So early on, it just didn't matter. People just <laughs> built a kit and we made a champion and we figured out, like we designed a champion and we figured out how to work together. And the only ally that we had was communication. Rapid, quick communication, very succinct and clear direction and owning it, like going all the way through, not having second thoughts because there was, the minute you have to like, slow down or change directions, the timeline was so squished that if you made and you deviated from that, the time allowed to readdress some of those changes was just devastating. So you can make mistakes when you already have, you don't have it's already an environment where you, it's full of possibilities of making mistakes, but now right. you're making it even worse. So it, it could have gone bad. So it's more like commitment. A, a lot of that commitment needed to happen to just hit it and go. So there was some design and then it was good yes. communication. So the game design team will come up with a brief 
and you would look into it and you were like, well, we're going to cook something with it. And then you rapidly communicate and there, whoop, there's a character. That yes. how it worked? Yes. And it didn't hurt that we had some amazing, like up and coming designers. And one of, I'll, I'll just throw him under the bus and say he was one, he was, he was ranked top 50 game designers at that time. So he was already rock star. His name was Tom Cadwell. Um, so we had a really great, amazing, like design team. And they were able to very quickly as, uh, as quickly as we can make them as they were make, making kits that were absolutely beautiful and balanced. And obviously people were able to play them and really just enjoy the game amongst the other champions. So there was like already 40 at that time that were already in there. And every time you threw one in there, you could have made it worse, right? It could have broke the game. And, and so they were geniuses in how fast they were putting kids out there and characters out there and not breaking the game because that would have been devastating. So, so um, for, it, I, I don't think, sorry for interrupting. I don't uh -huh. think that everyone knows what a design kit is because everyone has, I mean, game production is such an ununified thing. Like, <laughs> what, like, a level designer in every company is a different thing, right? Yeah. So tell me more about design kit and a good design kit. Maybe that would be helpful for other people who are like, whoa, I wish we had that before. Oh, Tom's, Tom's going to kill me. Um, and everybody on, so I'm probably not the best person to say, but in terms of like receiving it from a designer, mm -hmm. it's a clear archetype. It's clear weaponry or, or secondary weaponry or anything that's associated to their abilities. And then the, the abilities are stacked correctly and put down in a way where like these, this is the alt and this is the secondary, these are the passives. And everything was kind of like laid out in front of you so you knew exactly how to quickly decipher which ones are going to be the ones that you put a lot of energy on and the more powerful ones, the alts obviously are the obvious ones where you kind of just go big and say, here's where we're going to design all the VFX for this. And then the, the personalities and it's like, here's, here's all the character and here's how it's going to be, you know, using, you use it as a, as an alt, but mainly it's like the, when you're playing the game, it's more of like this ability and this ability, you're going to do a one, two, and you see the rhythm and then you start creating and designing around that stuff. And they explained that very well in, in what we called early on a one sheet, try to get everything to describe it in a one sheet, uh, the title, the name of the character description, a gameplay description, and all of its abilities and how they're being used. That was enough. Well, I looked at that and we all looked at that and say, okay, now we know what to make, start the concept. You brought up multiple times through the conversation that we've been having time. And yeah. time is obviously the luxury that we never have and we're always behind, there's anxiety, there's all of this stuff that is time related, right? Yeah. So as an art director, you have only this amount of time, bigger project, this amount of time, right? And there is some time for mistakes, there is some time for creativity, there's some time for uniqueness, there's some time for like assembling line. We just need a lot of those, you know, just just pop them out. How do you balance that? And how that's the one part of it. And the part of it that from the planning perspective, how do you plan the time of your team that you ship a product and you have enough time for characters, for illustrations, for icons? Like, how do you, how do you budget the time? Those two big questions. Let's try <laughs> to unravel both. <laughs> so time's always your enemy, right? Whether it's a seven year development product or a year, you can't squander any time. If you're going to go for a seven year development, that means you're, 
trying to either land in a new technology, a new console, or and you're mm-hmm. pushing the limits. And so you, how do you know in seven years this is going to be revolutionary? You know, so you have to start planning ahead, and you have to start building all the tech and all the tools and all that stuff. And I think as an artist, you have to you have to realize that every every decision you make is an engineering hole that you put your, your the team in. Every decision, like hey, the, the hair needs to have this look, or you know, we want ultra realistic flying planes and and fifteen hundred characters in this one scene and it changes the scope of everything so time is just kind of kind of a funny thing right and I'm just going to focus on the on the year year and a half kind of game mainly because uh, I could always focus on League of Legends and how every two weeks we time was our enemy and it's no matter what the situation is time's always going to be against you and the way I always started is I look at what we're making I look at the challenge in front of you I start kind of understanding the different steps and what it's going to take. And I go pretty much by department. Like, obviously, I start at concept. Well, never mind. I start at R&D and really, really start incubating and saying, how long does it take to R&D something? And, and if you ask anybody that <laughs> That's question. That's my favorite question. Yeah. It's Can we R&D it in a month? <laughs> that, that's impossible to understand, right? Like, you have to have the ability to like play and, and the knowledge and the, like you really do know, need to know how to play in the ambiguous space because if not, it can go forever. Like you can go and iterate and R and D for years. And I think some teams that Riot went years over four years and five years and some of them. And it's more of like, well, because it's, we're looking for the right thing. And I think that whether no, there's no right or wrong answer, but you, when you start time boxing R&D and saying, hey, we're, we want to, this is what we want to accomplish in this R&D and you start structuring it and you break down what you need. So like it starts with what kind of game you want, what are the things that you want to attack? Um, you want to break it down in terms of like levels, like here's the IP level of this R&D effort and here's the characters and, and some of those are going to give you clues and here's some of the VFX, here's some of the guns and some of the things that are going to be really cool that this game is kind of going to demand. How do we develop that stuff and, and how do we start creating some kind of like incubations in terms of like the style and look and colors and tone and all that stuff and you play with all these things and it's never one together. It's just you try all sorts of stuff because you have no idea and you shouldn't have any idea what it looks like. Something starts to come together, but if you don't have the structured kind of attempt, you'll just you'll, you'll keep going, and everybody's just going to be like, now, now, you break it up into little segments, and let's say guns. It's like, well, we know they want to be in the near future. Let's say the guns need to be somewhat half magical, half mechanical. We want to eliminate gunpowder. So those are all clues, and you write them all down, and you say, mm-hmm. okay, I don't, I'm not sure this is the style and this is the look of this game, but we do know that does this gun look magical check does this gun look near future modern yes does this gun look whimsical or you know and 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 all that stuff like yes check so you put that in the it's actually achieving some of those things Mm -hmm. it's not the right gun or all that stuff but then you do the same thing with everything everything that that is a significant influence or a hook or anything that's going to differentiate that game or or give it its identity and that's how R&D happens faster. And so that's a way to fight time when in a place where you can't determine when you're going to be done, you have to have a strategy. And so that's me going in and saying, 
that's how you kind of do it. I'm sure everybody else has their own ways and they, they're very successful. But that's just my point of view. And then once you have that and then you start putting it all together and you start going into like a cohesive look. And once you have like a look, style, lighting, like that screenshot, like potential screenshot of everything kind of harmonizing together and saying, oh, that's it. And, and I'm telling you, that's one of the hardest things to do. And we're going to like blow by so much anxiety and uncertainty and you know sometimes you feel like a failure is it is it the look yeah and there's a lot of what we're building with for next three years you're like is it do we have to do it right now (laughs) oh my god you never want to hear that that's it and then you're wrong (laughs) so it's just there's just a lot of there's a lot of anxiety there's a lot of pressure there's a lot of iteration and there's a lot of second thinking your choices and you have reservations at times right so like that is not a step that just kind of breezes by but it's hard to explain you just have to kind of be there um, but you Trust. can't yeah and you have to know that like er- everything that you did right before that and all of these little check marks that you're like yeah this is it this is it have already gotten you like 70 percent of what you need now it's more of like the tone, look, color, intensity, and readability, clarity. All this stuff is just starting to kind of lock in. And then I can't tell you when the moment is when all of a sudden you just like the pressure's off and everybody's like, that's it. That looks great. And you're just, you're sweating. Like you've been <laughs> sweating for, for the last month or two. Like you're just like, oh, and then it's there. And then we move on. And that's when we start looking at that screenshot and we start breaking down. It's like, here's this rock. Here's this cliff. Here's this grass. Here's that. And then we start doing tests. What's moving? What's not? And we break down as if like we're looking at a screenshot of the game and we're dissecting a, a successful game, like somebody else's game. And it's like, how, if we were to recreate this game, that's how I put it in my head. I never actually say that to the team. If we're recreating this game, <laughs> How how, tell them. how will we break it apart? And then we start breaking it apart and creating assets and everything, like every flower, every little grass leaf. Sometimes it's like do we determine whether it's like, is it a plane, is it a texture on the ground, or is it actual grass cards? All of these things are determined whether you attack it one way or another. And then we create a huge list. And then we start going from each individual and saying, hey, how long is it going to get this train done? How long is it going to get, you know, just estimate how long it would get, take you to like concept this. How long would it take you to like model this? How long would it take you to uh, texture this? And you start grabbing all of these estimates and they're educated guesses, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start trusting your team and you start putting all that stuff together. And then you have an idea as to how long things are going to take. And then sometimes let's say you have six months to get all that stuff done. And this is going to take a year. Then <laughs> You have to mm-hmm. go back and say, what do we have to do? And to change this now to like bring it within range. And so instead of, you know, this may change. And this may, it's just so scary because it may change and nobody may like it again. So you want to be able to understand what people liked about that original screenshot. Simplify it, cut down some of the things that are like the grass cards are going to be really hard. The, these architecture pieces that are really complicated, can we simplify them? And then we get it back to like a six month kind of like, cadence and we're back on schedule and and it all depends on how much time if somebody says oh it's only that's a year oh i'm giving you three years and i'll get like okay i'm going to add a lot more than and and so like you play that game as to how much you can really do but never give up the the end result the tone and the feeling and the personality of that one screenshot and so that's kind of you go 
do Go you ahead. like do you use a partnership with like an art manager to plan that do you just is it you and the artist and you sit together and you're like well this is eight hours this is 40 like twelve dollars and 40 you know like the whole the whole how does the process look like they're educated guests, yeah. So they're, they're educated guests. So like at first it's just me and the team. They know what, they've been doing it too, right? For years and they're like, okay, uh, this, this, this pillar is gonna take me about three days to do. Okay, cool. Then we make our first pillar and then the filler actually takes five days. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And then we go back and say the rest of the pillars are probably gonna take somewhere between three or four days because the first one's going to take five days. It's going to be long yeah. and everything. But if it actually took us three days to make that first pillar, I say the other one's probably going to take two days or, or faster because the first one's always takes longer and, and you have to figure out so many things, but it gets easier and faster as you go. So all of these things come into account, but like the true numbers is when you start making the first few assets and then you, you start getting the real numbers, then you make the one, like we, we call it vertical slice. We make a, version of that one screenshot and mm -hmm. we do everything put it all together and say how long did this piece take us to light it to do get everything ready that's the one that we're that's going to determine how much how many more of these levels how big is this is this one level or is this a third of a level if it's a third of a level obviously we multiply it by three and then we have five levels and then we start kind of like figuring out how long it's going to take to do all of them and then we we say, does, is, is each level going to be exactly the same? Are these, any of these things reusable? What is reusable? What isn't? And then you start kind of breaking it down. Um, so it's a complicated question when you say, uh, you know, time is always your enemy. But if you find a way to like really quickly organize and plan out and work with the team and get these numbers early and know mm -hmm. what you want, you just work your way back from that. And So do you use any specific tools or tricks or for planning and organizing? Do you use, I don't know, like Microsoft gun charts or <laughs> what, what, what do you use to plan out your whole art production? No. Do you have anyone at support that helps you with this kind yeah. of process? Yeah. How does that work for you? It is a team effort. So usually there's, um, at the time, uh, early, early uh, on um, Catalyst Black, we, we didn't have much support, but we did have like an art manager and then a producer, right? And between, between all of them, they started kind of putting on the big picture together. The early picture, it has to be with the team because you want to kind of be there and you want to understand. Mm -hmm. um, there's like, if you go to a non-artist and say, hey, it's going to take me five days to do this uh, rock. And it's actually, they can't, they can't ask the right questions. Well, actually, why does it going to take you five days? And it's not that you question them. It's that they might think that this rock needs to be a certain level. Actually, this rock right here and, and, and a set of these rocks, they're going to be in the background. There's going to be a lot of atmosphere density. There's going to be a lot of like haze. And they're probably going to be slapped together. The textures and, and the shapes, they don't have to be very specific. Actually, these, these are going to be backdrop rocks. Oh, half a day for each one. And that could change based on the conversation. And so that's why you, or as triple. an art director, or triple, yeah. yeah. Or yes. triple, you're like, oh. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I could say, hey, these rocks, they actually roll over and, and, and they're actually characters. And then you're like, wait, hold on. Yeah. That just, five days is not enough. So I think this part is specifically for me because I'm a big time God of War fan. Like, okay. uh, uh, that made me actually, I, I did play video games through 
my entire like kids and, and teenage time and then I got into games and I started playing last because I was so working so much working and God of War would brought me back into playing video games because I, I just adore it. I think it's one of the best games. And you worked on God of War 1, 2, 3, all of them? Yeah, early stages and very fragmented kind of like projects, right? So it's like early development. Sometimes the team wasn't even there. And it was just really quick, like almost those mood paintings were like screenshots of like, oh, what, what would this look like? How would it look like if he was fighting a a thousand, you know, soldiers or, or skeleton soldiers. I was there when it was uh, Dark Odyssey. Mm -hmm. I remember early versions of that. And at least that's the way it was told. So I was working at the San Diego studio and they were doing the cinematics for animatics for the game early on, kind of like testing us to what that might be. And I remember they're like, oh, it's, it's this game, Dark Odyssey. I was like, okay. And then I started kind of just submitting like a whole bunch of imagery uh, based on the description of like, this Greek god, and you're gonna laugh as to some of the things that I created. So he was supposed to be fighting off, you know, some some of the other gods, right? So like he's, you know, like just some of these descriptions, and I'm thinking, okay, so a Greek hero, and so I I, <laughs> I get this guy in this robe, like this the the Greek kind of like dressing with yeah. the least. Oh my god! Uh, I'm telling you, that was my first Kratos. They didn't even know what Kratos looked like. So they're like, just, just try Kratos. And he's a Greek guy. So I looked at a, Greek, a bunch of Greek uh, reference. And, and it's like, can you make him a little bit more aggressive? And I'm like trying all this stuff. And they're like, okay, let's skip, let's skip him for now. Um, let's just do some, what, what do the skeleton soldiers look like? Because we're thinking there should be some skeleton soldiers. And uh, I'm doing like my skeleton soldiers and early on with these shields and and then we started moving on to Cyclops. Like, like, and at first it was like a big giant like it looked like vegetable heads just like a tomato <laughs> with a little eye in the middle like i swear and i looked at that and i just couldn't i couldn't imagine why they even kept working for me i mean kept I, why, why they wanted me to keep working for them i was just out of school it was so terrible and then i was told that like when they were up on the wall some of the stuff was being picked that was mine and so they they ended up hiring me back uh, for more and I'm like they want more of me that's just and so like it just kind of and then I started getting into this rhythm of really what is this world because I'm I, I feel like I was missing I was trying all sorts of stuff and I started asking more and more questions and eventually they were just kind of like throwing like the more questions I asked which is something important for early artists it's like you sometimes you just like look at an art director and you think they're 100% right but like if you don't truly understand what they're trying to say, just keep asking questions until they paint a picture, a perfect picture of what they're saying. And so I kind of, that's, that's maybe one of my early secrets. It's just like, I would, I would be relentless. And I kept asking like, what do you mean by that? What does that mean? It probably Me drove them crazy. <laughs> and so eventually I started looking at like what the Pegasus looked like. And I started really exploring the world and, and then I said, it's mythology, but it's also a video game. And it's like, they're wanting it to be more aggressive and more modernized. And then I started trying some of that stuff. And I remember they got to the Titan. And they're like, can you do an image where like, like it's, it's a Titan and they're slaying it. And I just remember seeing the Titan. I'm like, well, if, if it's so big, like how big can we get it? Like literally how big can it get? And so what I did is I, I grabbed my roommates at the time. And I set them up and I put a camera and I made, <laughs> I made my roommate's head 
fit as closely as possible to the scene to where it still kind of had a really nice composition. And I took several pictures of different angles and finally decided on one. And I started creating a Titan head out of that whole thing. And the Pegasus, the skeleton soldiers, all of those things started kind of formulating this one thing. And I started asking the question, why can't we have a level where we fight on top of a Titan? And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good question. And then they asked, they're like, oh, we don't have the technology or the tools. We're not there yet. And so I still did the image anyways. Um, and I turned it in and it was like one of the ones that I ended up wearing, getting an award for, for Into the Pixels. And then that one kind of depicted the whole thing. And that was the only time where I got it. But it did have the Kratos with. <laughs> so that's how early on that image was. And it was, uh, it was my first time where I was actually having uh, an understanding of like what all of these things seem remember i was before i was like you know skeleton i was doing all the pegasus and and kratos and and i was hitting everything one by one but then i i started thinking about like what well, it looks better if it's all together and it needs to be aggressive and then once i started putting the world together once i started understanding it um it was so much easier to do everything else so if you were writing a guide someone to be building a new unique IP what are the secret ingredients or what are the steps that one needs to take to build a new successful different yet familiar because you don't want to scare yeah. people away too much right so what are the things that need, need to know. be in place <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question it's it's so many ways to do it right um, and of course so many ways to do it wrong but I just think like in general, I think you have to be, the shorthand is make sure that you know exactly what you want and you collect as much information and understand the game that you're making, just even on paper and talk to the game designers and talk to everybody and say exactly what do we all agree on? What are we all aligned on? And then build from there. That's like, don't start anything <laughs> until, until those conversations are clear. And even if somebody says, I need inspiration, I need that piece of artwork, that means that some people aren't on the same page with you because it, it requires mm. multiple teams or multiple members on the team to really know, like the, remember like what I said, the choices are based on what kind of game you want to make. But if people are going and trying to get inspired by the game that you want to make by your art, then it's, then the art is like, you know, now you're playing you know, chicken or the egg kind of thing. And I think it's better if, if you have true conversations. And I think that's what we had at, at Super Evil. Like we, we sat down and said, stop, let's figure this out. We're not, we're not drawing anything anymore. We're going to like actually mm -hmm. figure out what we want. And that's all of a sudden when we turn. So that's, that's what I would say is first do that. Secondly, check your ego. This isn't about you. This isn't about how cool you are and be inclusive in terms of the creative abilities. Yes, you're creative. Yes, you, you're the art director. Yes, you've done some amazing stuff in the past. Um, and I think every art director is in this position because they've proven themselves, right? And I think, but at the end of the day, like if you don't use your team and you're leaving so much creativity on the table, it's just ridiculous not to include people and say, hey, this is what we're trying to do. At the end of the day, it's your decision as to how to hone it all in and make it a package and make it an art style and, and do all that stuff. But don't forget that you have an amazing team and a talented team and a creative team all around you. Some art directors, I think, they forget that very important part is be inclusive. That doesn't mean you design by committee. I don't think I believe in that, but I do think that you gather as much 
information as much creativity ideas and anything that comes and then you can make something out of that like even if it, anything else happens it's like you know what not to do when somebody says something and it's not the right thing at least now you know what not to do and that's something really important that that leads me to elimination like eliminate uh, what you are not doing so that you don't you make some clear lines and, and and create a spectrum it's like we're here and anybody that's out here is like that's awesome but we're here and it makes the conversations a little bit more focused and people are trying to solve that particular challenge versus everybody's always talking everywhere there's a time for that but hone it in and every day that comes by that goes by you have less and less focus and have hyper focus uh, once everybody's aligned. Not, like right now, we have ultimate focus. Everybody is knows exactly what we're supposed to be doing, and nobody's going to say, "What if we end up doing like you know a first-person shooter now?" It's like, <laughs> what? You can't do that. So it's I know that's an extreme, but in general, like sometimes things float off, and you have to kind of rail rail it back in and say, "Let's stay focused on this." I think that's something that I would put on a, on a to-do list, like just. Make sure you have everybody on the same page. And then don't forget to start looking at and, and look at examples, research, research other games, research other art, but make sure that you use a reference. Don't, you know, I, I, sometimes you forget about that, but like some things are just too close and um, you have to make room for your own discoveries and stuff like that. And you use that as inspiration. And sometimes, you know, you have to say, okay, I want to look at all the, I want to research as many games as possible so that I don't land where everybody else is landing. I want to know where exactly and how to stand out. How do I inject more of what I know and more of my artistic ability in that, but I do have to respect the space and understand it fully so that I can create art that people will love in that space. And so like, it's also age demographic. Like you have to hold back. I like, you know, gritty, violent, super ultra realistic. And I want everybody to know exactly how far I can really go and how how, how amazing my rendering skills could really be. And that's my, that's my instinct. And then when you look at that, it's like, no, it's about really readability. It's about, this isn't going to be following one character on the screen and you can design this character and add so much detail. It's going to be 15 tiny little characters that are almost pixelated. And then you have to decide what's important, spending a hundred hours on the face that it's just a pixel, or is it more of like trying to get that right combination of pixels to give you the right look and feel for and, and of course make sure that it's like they're all kind of singing and you could differentiate them all well thank you so much for being a part of this thank you so much for sharing your story thank you so much for inspiring with your work so many young artists and developers and players and building a world community of um, video gamers thank you so much Eduardo for being with us tonight well, thank you for having me and, uh, you know, for everybody that kind of uh, saw this video all the way through, I, I hope I made it justice and thank you for seeing this whole video. Um, thank you.